I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we have a very special guest, Jacob Saposhnik. And Jacob is an active member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. He's been asked to speak on immigration law topics at various conferences in the United States and abroad. He's done plenty of interviews like this one. He's frequently quoted by newspapers and radio shows on immigration issues. And in fact, he also has a podcast called the Enchanting Lawyer Podcast. I highly recommend, recommend you check it out. Um, it's at theenchantinglawyer.com. And Jacob is an immigration lawyer, but he's also an extremely savvy marketer. I asked him to come on the show today after talking to a mutual friend of ours about him and his practice. So this friend and I, we both have worked with a ton of clients, and Jacob isn't my client, but I've done business with him. And one of the things which has really stood out with him and his team is how well he leverages other people, while at the same time treating people like people, but he's able to accomplish a lot of things through others, which is a really powerful thing in business. So... um He's very, very skilled at delegating and focusing on the 80-20 in his work, doing only the necessary items and leaving the rest of the task to someone else to see it through. In fact, he kind of has his own method and he calls it the enchanting way of doing business. He's done this well enough to build a business Facebook fan page up to uh, 117,000 fans, which provides his business, his, his immigration practice, a steady, predictable stream of leads coming in daily. And now he's got a second business, a coffee shop he's starting up. He's also launching a book and actually right now he's in San Francisco because he's been asked to kind of partake with a, a new tech startup and, and, and share with them his way of doing business. So it's all part of why I've asked him to be here today and share with us some of his secrets for how he manages people, markets his business and keeps it all under control. So Jacob, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much, Daryl. This is uh, it's amazing uh, intro. I should be using it now with all my speeches. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, thank you. I got my eye on you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you said, I mean, I'm here in, uh, in San Francisco at this uh, beautiful uh, startup uh, tech house and just um, amazing energy flowing everywhere. And I'm, I'm excited to uh, to be on your show. Thanks, man. Thank you. And it's, uh, it's beautiful here. Thank you. So how did you even get started? I mean, you you went to become a lawyer, but they didn't teach you business skills in, in law school, did they? So... How did you figure right. this out? How did you come, like, yeah, wh what was the beginning like? You know, you know the, the thing is, and, and, and what I always tell people is, you know, when there is no tools uh, or information about something that you need, you kind of, you kind of have to do it because uh, uh, and, 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 you have no choice. And, and this is really what happened to me because, you know, when I, when I started my own law firm in 2004, um, I, I did it because I, um, I wasn't happy where I was working. And um, it, was, it was not very easy to uh, to find another job. And, and honestly, I didn't want to find another job. I wanted to do something on my own. And I knew that I wanted to do it on my own. I just didn't know how to. And and honestly, for attorneys, um, there were just very basic tools as to how you market, how you start a practice. Mm -hmm. Everybody was following the same patterns. 
And, and most lawyers really were not able to succeed that well because, you know, you, when you do whatever what everybody else is doing, right. it's very difficult to break through. So I, I, I thought to myself, you know, if, if I made the decision that I want to start my own law firm, I need to also change the way I think about my business and I shouldn't follow the herd. I should be doing some different things. So I've decided um, that I'll do everything uh, the opposite from what the other lawyers do in, in every particular aspect of, of the business. So in the beginning, 2004, uh, nobody really had a blog. Nobody was blogging. Only the marketers were blogging. So I started one of the first legal blogs in California. It's called the Visa Lawyer Blog, which still exists today, by the way. And um, and this blog, um, I, I did because I didn't have any clients. I didn't have any, I didn't have anything else to do. So I just sat there and wrote some articles one twice a week, and, and nothing happened. And I tried to do the networking in the morning, and then in the evening, and I was uh, you know paying yellow pages uh, the little money that I had. Um, but really, we didn't have that many clients. I mean, I, I really had pretty no clients. Um, but I kept writing. I said, no, the marketers are writing blogs. Maybe there's going to be something there. And just just to feel that you're not wasting your time just for my for my soul and for my mental wellness mm-hmm. i felt that if i write the blog and I, so i felt that i'm doing something um and then you know three months after i started my blog actually four months i, I thought nobody's reading it and then i get a call from fox news and they said um we want to talk to jacob um yes this is jacob we, we want we want you on the evening news you're the immigration expert we need you about this new law change and in my head i'm thinking they probably have a mistake because you know, i just started my practice i mean there must be a different Jacob. Uh, and I said, how did you how did you find me? And so we, we, we were reading a blog. We found the blog, and, and you know what you're doing. And we need you on the show uh, tonight. And I realized that moment that um, this different thing that I've done, this blog that I wrote, now I was on the evening news, and that changed everything for me because I realized that, you know, by doing this different thing that nobody else is doing, I opened an opportunity for myself to be in the media. Mm. And then another newspaper called and another TV station. Next thing you know, I was on TV more and more often. And blogging after two years became a common thing for attorneys. And so I said, well, if blogging is a common thing, I've got to be doing something different. So I started doing videos. Nobody was doing videos, and I started doing videos in, uh, on YouTube in 2010. And people, have, and people started finding me on YouTube. Um, but at the same time, I realized that nobody, literally no attorney, was using Facebook. And I couldn't understand why not. And, 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 well, you know, I, I knew why, because it was just, they, they, they said things like, it's for kids, it's a waste of time, I don't want to share my personal information, you know, all the myths that you can hear about. And I said, you know what, I'm going to use Facebook, because nobody else is doing it. And then literally within a year or so, I kind of cracked the code slowly and stopped building my fans, and then, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, uh, you know, now, like you said, we have 117,000, we have all proprietary community. And you know, you know what it means. If you build your own audience, mm-hmm. I don't compete with anybody. I mean, we we get four or five leads a day just from that page. Yep, which is huge. My I mean, fan. Yeah, which is huge. huge of course, I mean, in your business, because price points are nothing to like to to in immigration. I mean, you get someone who wants to move over and bring their business in that. I mean, this is right. Yeah, so you don't you couldn't five hundred leads a day would be insane. Just to put that in perspective for people for you know for law practice that's very very like very well respected in the world. I mean, that's. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just to give you an idea, when I'm talking about four or five leads, I'm talking about four or five leads that convert, convert either to a paid consultation or to a case. Um, you know, these are the kind of things that um, we don't have to pay for. Yeah. And um, so, um, amazing. And, and this is just from Facebook. You know, YouTube generates a lot of leads for us as well on a regular basis. Yeah. And, um, 
it's just been a very, very um, uh, powerful tool for us. But even to this day, and that, that's, but that's really how I started doing this. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, once I figured out how to get leads, it became an issue because now that you have people calling you, you don't provide the level of service that they deserve. And that's when I decided that I'm going to, to perfect the system from within, making sure that the employees are happy because when they're happy, they're able to provide good service to the customers. Mm-hmm. And so we started experimenting with different things. You know, you know we, we, I realized that if somebody cannot come to work, it doesn't matter if I'm going to tell them, listen, you have to come to work. If they can't come to work because the ch- child is sick or whatever, then they're not going to work effectively. So why not just let them go? Right. So I've decided to, to, to start this uh, freedom policy where if somebody cannot make it for whatever reason, they're just not going to make it. They're going to make it up to, to the time whenever they can, if they want to. So once the employees realize that I'm not there to be a policeman, I'm there as their partner, I ask them, what do you think should be the color of the carpet in this office? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we think a red fits. The next day, they get a red carpet because they asked for it and because they suggested it. Right. So that kind of validation tells them that they are working in a law firm that is also theirs. Not right. just mine. And so now I'm able to take off for two months in the summer and the law firm continues to work. And I don't have to worry about it because they're there because they like to be there. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you've you amazing I mean? so staff. It's not just about getting the leads. Yep. It's also about building a system where they can nurture the leads and make sure the clients are happy because if they're not happy, then, then you know, nothing really, nothing works. So how do you systemize things in your business? What's like, how do you, right? Like, how do you do that? Because I know that employee issues is a huge problem for a lot of businesses. So there are two things that you do. And the enchanting way is based on three principles. The first principle is the the principle of generating the leads. So you must be able to, uh, uh, to generate the leads. You have to be everywhere and you have to provide free, valuable, consistent content all the time. So if you are a law firm, you have to write articles, you have to do podcasts, you have to do videos in a small scale. You don't have to do it. You don't have to go crazy, but you have to do it on a consistent basis. You have to do one article a week. If you do it every week, you're golden. If you are um, a pool guy and, um, and, and you have a pool business, you can still create content, videos, articles on a consistent basis for no reason but to serve the public. If you do that, you're still going to get leads. Once the leads come coming in, you have to be able to set up a system of, um, you know, what happens when the leads come in. So we have we it's all documents. So we we use Infusionsoft to uh, to direct the leads throughout the uh, the different channels. People know via script how to answer the phones. They know what to do when the when the clients sign in, uh, when to open the file, how to open the file. You know, everything is in writing. Mm. And systemization is not a new concept. But what the, what we did beyond that is that because we empower the employees to take decisions, so for example, let's say if uh, a paralegal feels that this client should get a discount because um, you know this is the right thing to do, she has the power to do it. Mm. And by allowing them to do these kind of decisions, first of all, our retention levels went up the roof. And second of all, clients feel more comfortable that people don't have to go and get permission to do stuff. They feel that the firm is working like a machine. And so that's really kind of this, the way I implemented the threefold uh, approach where you get the leads, you find a way to nurture them through systemization and service, and then you empower your team to be able to deliver the service without feeling that uh, there's a policeman on top and they are slaves. That's awesome. Which most, business, which most businesses work this way, by the way, hmm. the other way. Right, right, right. Sorry, I'm taking notes. I hope people listening are taking notes. I love these. Yeah, books. yeah, this is a, yeah. This is a perfect brain yeah. dump. <laughs> and, and, and Darren, I'll give you an example. I, I, it's funny because one of my clients heard about what we do, 
and they invited me to the business. So it's a company with 400 people, and they're in the printing business. So two of the departments, they had a huge turnover, and he, and he didn't say, you know what, why don't you go there and, and, and help me? And I said, well, you know, I don't know if it's going to work in your business, but uh, so I went there, and I spent like half a day, and I realized that what's problem, the problem in the, in the company is that there was no culture in those departments. There was no system on the department. There was one guy who was the manager. He was like the slave driver, and everybody else was working under him. So I told him, what if we do the phone? What if we take this manager and assign two other people under him who are going to be able to make decisions? And then we create um, weekly events between the team. There were 35 people on that team where we talk among each other, and then we, 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 we raise ideas. So the manager will say, hey, Bobby, what do you think we should do with, um, with our new printing catalog? And, and Bobby's going to say, well, I think we should do this and this. And actually implement what Bobby says. Let's see what happens. And right now they're implementing this. And I can tell you that they see, he said, listen, I don't believe, I, I can't believe what happened, but now people are actually happy to come to work. Right. Because we listen to them. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it can work in any business, but you really have to find a way that the employees feel that you care about them. Because then once, you, once they feel that, then they will go out there and do the same to your customers. Because mm. you, you can't force somebody to be nice. Right. And I right. think that should be the quote of the, of, the, of the podcast. You can't force somebody to be nice. They have to do it from because they feel it. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. That's such an important thing because I actually just had a conversation with um, one of my project managers today about exactly that because we were talking about just a certain person in particular on the team and just uh, troubleshooting, you know, like how do we get better out of them? And I was like, you know, you, we can't just impose deadlines on this person. They have to have buy-in because otherwise you can, like it's that expression, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. And it's the same thing with your Correct. team, right? If they're not intrinsically motivated, I know when I hire people, um, something I learned from one of my mentors is there's two types of income. There's physical income and there's psychic income. And I always try Correct. to make sure that psychic income is there because if, if you at some point, the money's not enough. I remember when I was in Tokyo and I was making 60 bucks an hour, which at the time to me was a phenomenal amount of money, but I couldn't, like, I, at some point, it was the work just, I just needed out. I needed something that would let me express myself and almost like you're saying, like, be empowered to make decisions, right, and just have fun and be creative in my work. Um, you know, and I still did it to a certain extent, but it was just, it was really something I ended up trying to minimize because the money hit a point where it just wasn't worth it. So I really love that you brought that up because I think that's so, so, so important and something that a lot of people have missed. So what are... And, and you know, Daryl, you mentioned something very important because you said the money is not, is not, is not bad because, you know, some people say, well, maybe, maybe my employee would have, would have stayed if I paid them five bucks more per hour. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them that's not the money. Yep. And, and, and I, you know, we don't, you know, we don't pay the, most people uh, very high salaries. You know, it's reasonable, but it's not the reason why the turnover is almost zero. Right. It's because of the fact that they know that if they leave and they go to any other place, they're not going to be able to get the same kind of uh, uh, um, uh, treatment. Right, right. And right. and they don't feel that um, you know they they they're basically coming coming home in a way. Yep. It's a place where they love to be. That's awesome. And that's such a, such a great way to say it. So, no, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, Wikipedia. Look at Wikipedia. I think I read some stat, and, I, you know, forgive me, this is, I don't have citation, but I read some stat that it was like, you know, a, a substantial amount, like 40 to 60% of the people that are, are helping edit and keep Wikipedia up and running have full-time jobs somewhere else. I think it might even be higher than that. So it's like, why are people going to work for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, coming home, and then they're editing 
You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are they doing it? It's because exactly like you said, like they enjoy it and you really need to provide that for your employees. Cause yeah, there's, there's people that are interested in everything, right? You put a job out for a sales rep, you're generally going to get someone that's interested in that field to a certain extent, right? Otherwise they wouldn't really be working for that kind of job. So then it's just a matter of, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but it's just a matter of creating an environment that these people want to be in and that nurtures them to kind of grow and, and you know, and be the best that they can be in that career. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. so awesome. Absolutely. So you Absolutely. you were saying that some of like this stuff came out of necessity. That you know it wasn't that you you know you read anything or you just figured it out and you kept trying to do something different, which is phenomenal to stand out. Um, what other lessons have you learned, and from what have been some of the biggest challenges for you? Because you also do this now with multiple projects. So I know that you know there's been kind of levels, I guess, that you had to progress through. And what have been some of your biggest challenges? Right. right. So you know, I, I think the. Uh, some of the, those challenges they they come in in in, in, in a few folds. First of all, it's um, learning how to uh, to deal with people. This is really the key. That for me, once I understood the concept of how do you how do you read somebody early enough to determine whether he's going to be a good employee for you to hire in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a good client for you to enter in the first place. Um, how do you deal with um, with people when there is a crisis? So. I think this is something that, that in, in a small business or a big business, if you, you need to understand that uh, and, and really pay attention. So I took, you know, I took a lot of um, uh, um, different courses about this, and I was reading books, and just to understand uh, you know, how to read people and how to uh, communicate with them in an effective way. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, if you are a manager of any business, of any team, and if you are not able to assess the personality of the employee that you're working with correctly, it's going to lead to frustration on both sides because you're not really connecting on the same level. And so one of the things that I do is uh, I try to, when I interview people for a new, uh, uh, new position, I try to ask them different questions that are not common questions for an interview, but that's legal questions. For example, um, you know, what, what is the biggest challenge um, that uh, you faced in the past uh, few months? And so if somebody tells me a, ch- uh, a challenge that is, is it's something that, for example, I had one of the employees told me, you know, it, it was really hard for me to come up with money for my rent. And it's really kind of kept me up at night. And and, 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 and that person is still working for me and, and she's really, really successful in what she does. Uh, but that answer tells me, listen, this is somebody that this is, this is a life struggle mm-hmm. and it really keeps her up at night and it's important for her. And as opposed to something totally random. So sometimes things like that, small things like that, are connected with people, even if you don't have the skills for the job. It's more important to be a good uh, uh, person in, in, uh, in many levels as opposed to somebody who's skilled and coming, coming to you from Harvard, uh, but they have no human, human connection whatsoever to anybody. Right, right. Yeah, they call that... I so for me, cool. that was something important. And then the other thing is... Um, the other thing is, um, is really the, the systemization of the office. How do you know that the system is correct? So I think for me, the biggest problem before is I was refused to change the system, the process, quick enough. And now I learned that if it doesn't work because people tell you it doesn't work and you see it doesn't work, change it right away as opposed to holding to it. So now a system change. And, and, and there, I'll give you a little tool. We use uh, Sweet Process. Have you heard of Sweet Process? I, I know I know Sweet Process. In fact, um, I had I hired an intern just to just to follow me and everyone in my team around to use Sweet Process, and we okay. created an accountability chart. That's a great, great, great tool. Yeah. So that's SweetProcess.com. So yeah, go, go, 
Exactly. Sweet process accounting. So the way we use it, we use to document everything that we do, our process. We, we do it by recording it as a video. It could be a, a flow chart, even just regular wording. Um, so uh, it's a very nice tool to uh, create processes and share it with your team. And I highly recommend it if you want to uh, uh, to create a, a thing. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, thank you. That's a great resource. Do you have any books that you would recommend as well? Because you said that you did courses and read books and stuff like that on how to do this effectively. What do you think are some of the real gems that are out there on the topic? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the books that I really like and I think is amazing uh, is, a book, is a book by Jay Baer. It's called Utility. Have, have you read it? No, I don't think I have, but I, I will. So say. Utility, is an, you, you should definitely get it. So Utility talks about the concept of, of being a utility as opposed to being a salesman and, and pushing uh, your, your stuff. So utility is doing stuff for the sake of doing it. It's marketing so useful, people will pay for it. That's what Jay Bear uh, coined it as. And uh, uh, so, for example, uh, you know, after I read utility, I created two apps. And one app is a, is a green card app, and the other app is a citizenship app, where I have uh, uh, the 100 questions for citizenship, and just people can get the answers and questions in the app. Now, I don't charge for the app, and I've done it just as a utility, just to help people. But once they understand that, that I created, my law firm created it, indirectly, backdoor marketing, they will come to me as the lawyer that is so useful, we want to pay him to be our attorney. Do you see what I mean? Mm. So Utility is an amazing book. It changed the way I think about business. Wow. And, um, um, and, um, and I think that... Um, you know, that's one of those. Another nice book is uh, by a guy named Peter Shanzman. And Peter Shanzman uh, has a book called Nice CEOs Finish First. And it's all about customer service. And I, and I highly recommend it to any business. And uh, have you heard of Peter Shanzman? No, I haven't. Not Peter Shanzman. He's, he's a guy from New York. Uh, he's a, he's a, he, he, he was a former uh, founder of the Hell, which is a health reporter out, which was acquired by AOL in 2007. And um, he's just an amazing uh, uh, marketer, and he is really a big customer service evangelist. And once you read this book, a lot of case studies in there will, will jog your mind. And I use a lot of tips for that, these two books. Uh, another one, which I'm sure you heard of, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, who doesn't know him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so my favorite book uh, that he wrote is The Thank You Economy. And I think mm. The Thank You Economy changed the way I deal with my, my business. Um, have you heard of the Thank You Economy? Yeah, it's, it's his I've second heard book. Of that. Yep, yep. Yeah, and this is just one of those. Once you read it, you will apply something to your business or to any business. So I think these three books, if you read them, it will kind of change the way you you operate your business. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend you read those books. That's awesome. So the first one was Utility, and how, can you spell Jay's last name? I'm not finding it online. It's Bayer. Bayer. B. Sorry. Bayer. Yeah. Okay. Good. And, and then utility. just Google utility. U is Y O U utility. So it's like oh, utility. Got it. got it. That's what it is. Got yeah. it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Now I'll find it. All right. That's awesome. Those are great suggestions. No, I love I love the book stuff. I again the book for those of you listening, the book you don't own you can't read, and the book you don't read can't help you. So the very first step is to own the book. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm like a crack addict ordering books all the time. But I mean, even sometimes all I do is, and you know, a lot of books, you don't necessarily need to read them front to back. I'm a firm believer in the 80-20 principle. And so sometimes all you really need is a couple of chapters just to get something from that book, you know, just something. Because even like you hear someone like you who's been very successful and is continuing to have success. And when you recommend something, some sort of source of knowledge and, you know, that you highly esteem, I mean, there's there's almost no way that's not going to benefit me, right? So um, it's just such a smart thing to get yourself that knowledge and inf- education information. So um, thank you, Jake. That's a great, 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 great resource. So um, Now, Daryl, the reason I mentioned those three books in, in that order okay. is because each one of them gives you different tools and different state of mind. And that's mm-hmm. why I recommend to read them uh, uh, um, in that order. But they're, they're amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm actually searching. There we go. Yes. Jay Bear, Utility, Why Smart Marketing is Not About Help. Or, or sorry, Why Smart Marketing is About Help, Not Hype. I love that. Exactly. That's excellent. So now, what would you recommend to someone? So you talked about like this case study. We saw the manager and the struggle that they were having. What would you recommend to someone that thinks like, they're like, all right, I feel like I'm on board with this. And all right, I'm going to order the books. And I'm going to like educate myself. But they feel like they're kind of stuck with their team. How do they get their team empowered and on board with the process? How do they, do you know what I mean? Like, what do you, what would you recommend to someone that just doesn't have the slightest clue about building a team? Right. So I think the, 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 the process of building a team um, has different stages. So I think the first stage, when, when, when you don't really um, have the culture in place, um, you start slow. So the, the easiest thing to do is by, by, by doing little meetings every week with the team. And the meeting style should be very informal. So the idea is that you start a meeting, you talk about, let's say, uh, our goals for the week. And then what, what we do is is you open it up uh, for... Um, you open it up for for question and discussion. So what do you think you should do? What do you think you should do? And then let's say somebody says, well, how about if you do a happy hour? You have to really listen to what they say and implement some of the ideas. Once you start doing that, you build the trust between you and the team because they feel that you listen to them. And then you can add more stuff. You can do uh, some activities. You can, start, you, can, you can have people in charge of some things. And that's the beginning of empowerment because empowerment cannot happen until there's trust. And trust can only happen once you, you have to earn it. Right. You see what I mean? Right. So that, that's what I would do in the beginning to start. After that, once you have that foundation, there are many things you can do. You can create a, um, uh, a team leaders that will be in charge of some things, and then others will be under there. And you can create a, a team of TVs. Uh, you can do test trials of projects that they can take on and implement, and hopefully they will be successful and giving critiques. So it's kind of like, it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a ladder. You start with number one, two, three, four, you go up and down and down. Mm, love that. But it's a very, it's a great way to start with the first bit of meeting. The meeting which you open it up and you give them control by validating people in that meeting. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's amazing how it works as opposed to you preaching to the, to the preaching to them, which most people do with those meetings. Right. Yeah. Most times it's like everyone gather around, listen to me talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And so this is your method because I actually wanted to ask about that. That's your your proposed, like, that's how you build the culture. Because you hear that talk about that a lot. And even when I had a martial arts school, I knew that uh, the culture was, especially with the comp- competitive athletes, it was so critical. Mindset was such a huge component to our competitive team. And thank goodness like that, you know, if you get the right mindset, you can take people, which one of the things I did, and a little bit of boasting here, you know, I took a student from brand new to provincial champ, two-time gold medal provincial champ, um, in eight months, in less than eight months. Well, just around eight months anyway. So, 
um, which is, you know, it's a, it's a good feat. So, and that's because of, I feel the culture that we had. So for us though, I mean, it's kind of, that's what we meet every time to train, but I guess you're saying that's almost what you need to do with your employees. You need to have not even quite the training, but the weekly huddle, the weekly, weekly circle, everyone gets to contribute and share and you kind of start kind of injecting the culture into them. Now, do you have like the culture written down? Like, is it tangible in any way, shape or form or is it just? Yes. Yes. So we basically, uh, we're working on, on a book on the subject. And we have some brochures, uh, brochures. We have some uh, pamphlets that we use internally, and we're going to make them more available to the public very soon. But yeah, we're working on on, on creating a book. Uh, and the whole system will be documented for people, for not just legal uh, teams, but also for other teams to use. That's awesome. Because I think there's definitely a need for that. And I, in fact, you know, I got a very good shout out and a very, very good validation at the last social media marketing world conference where 3,000 marketers were gathered in San Diego, and Mari Smith, the queen of Facebook. Uh, she came on stage and in her keynote, she featured what I do, and I was blown away. I didn't expect it. For like five minutes, she was talking about my office, our system, and she said that you can't just keep pushing for leads. You have to implement the enchanting way, just like Jacob does. And I, I was just like, I said, you know what? This is this is something that is serious, and we should you know really put it together into a into a system uh, uh, in writing so others can benefit from it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and get it out to the world because, no, you're right. I mean, it's a remarkable thing and that's, again, part of why, you know, why our mutual friend and I were talking, well, Trek, Trek and I were talking about you and um, and just and anybody that I know that and even talking to some of your staff, like I said, it just comes really comes out. So um, I think that's, I think, I know, and not I think, I know your book's going to be a huge success. So now, do you feel that some of your habits have helped you along this path? Like, what are some of the things that helped you along the way? Because a lot of people probably would have hit some of the obstacles and roadblocks you had and just given up. But, you know, I mean, even because that's a common thing. I know you one of the things that like why I recommend some of my clients about testing different prices and when they're brick and mortar online, it's easier to do. But if they're like a physical business, they're like, well, how do I do that? And it's like, well, it's really easy. You take the next 10 people you have and you sell, try and sell them at a different price point. That's, that's how you test. That's how you do it. But for a lot of people, they might do it once or twice, you know, not just that or something else, but they just get nervous because, you know, maybe it doesn't work out really well. And I thought that even when you said like, you, you know, create your team leader and give them a, like a test project, some people might do that. And you're like, hopefully they'll be successful. But I already know some people like clients I have in my head that they're like, they would do that. They would implement it. The person wouldn't do any, you know, it would, it would blow up in some way, shape or form because it's the first time they're doing anything and they would just give up. But what do you feel are some of the things that you've stuck to as far as habitual, ritual things that are ingrained in you that have helped you be successful like this? You know, is there anything that you feel like the habits that have helped you become yes. and overcome what you have? Yes. So first of all, I think one of the most important things is is the ability to listen and be patient. Uh, because, you know, the, 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 the people, they don't like um, where people are dismissing them uh, and are not and belittling their, their, their ideas. So I always had the habit of being patient and, and, and listening to people and, 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 and literally the, the trying to be nice. Nice because you just want to be nice. So um, uh, you know, sometimes things happen where people cross you and, uh, and I have the, the, the internal gut feeling to say, you know what, I'm going to do something to me and I'm going to, I'm going to bash that person and I'm going to, you know, slam them, uh, whether by talking bad about them or by, by doing other stuff like that. And I didn't do it. And that ability to stay focused and say, you know what, let it pass. You know, they'll fall down the line because somebody else will, will realize who they are. But that thing kind of helps you because now people are, 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 they form this opinion about you. You know, he's a nice boss. He's a nice lawyer. He's a good to the, he's good to the clients. And that kind of helps 
create the alliance around you of employees and, and people because they feel that, you know what, he, with him, it's going to be all right. Hmm. And, and, and being this thing, this, this kind of, 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 of behavior really helped me uh, face a lot of the failures that happened. For example, you know, trying to get a client, didn't work, trying to get this and this. Consistently being, you know what, fine, this guy screwed us over, not a problem. We'll continue. Hmm. I feel that really helped me focus and really pass all these other attorneys that try to be uh, uh, negative about stuff and, and, and now they're really behind. Mm-hmm. And it sounds That's like you have to an amazing team as well, like just the camaraderie. Of course, and, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The team has to be uh, uh, built around the same principles because people that are not aligned with this particular principle uh, or that feeling, you don't, you, don't, you don't want to associate with them, you don't want to hire them. And, and you basically only hire people who are like-minded with you who are uh, positive or or effective and um uh, and that that's really is to me the key to success mm. in, in, in that kind of business got it so your ability to listen or any business and your yeah. so you said the ability to listen and patience and the ability, just being able to be nice to others and and focus i guess on the goal and not really get caught up in dr- drama and and you know anything because there's always going to be setbacks right i mean there's nothing's perfect and that's that's part of the joy of the pleasure if it was easy there'd be no joy in doing it you know that um that struggle i think we all kind of need it so um yeah, well said. Well said. So, what do you th- what do you think's been some of the best advice that someone ever gave you? Was there ever a time in your life where you were facing a problem and you had some sort of mentor give you a tip, and that just made all the difference? Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things, like I said, I mentioned in the beginning, uh, and, and it was given to me by um, um, by a person who's not is um, not in the marketing field, is not a famous person, but it's been somebody that I um, that I've been trusting over the years, and, and he said to me, "Simple thing, this tr- do." what others are not doing. Do the opposite of people in, in your field. And that, that was really a major turning point in my business, like I told you before. I did different things in other lawyers. And the other thing is, um, a good advice that I got is, don't re- reinvent the wheel. Uh, basically copy the best things that others are doing yeah. and put, a, put your own spin on it. Yeah. And this has been really effective. In fact, uh, this is something that, uh, um, that's something that, uh, um, Bill Dorfman, who is um, he's the, he's the dentist of the stars, and he's somebody I was lucky enough to have on my podcast. He's the, he's a dentist to uh, um, uh, Ozzy Osbourne and Jessica Simpson and all these big guys. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, and he's himself the first guy who was on uh, Extreme Makeover. He was, he's, you know, he's a big celebrity himself. But he, he said, "Listen, I, I became successful because I just copied what everybody else is doing. The successful people I just put my own spin on it, and that's it. And I think." Or, or they forget to, to think like that. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, I heard, I remember, I forget who said it, but someone was saying most entrepreneurs want to keep laying down railroad track. They want to keep building this road to go somewhere else. He's like, I just want to put down a, you know, a runway of track and run this train back and forth over it. And I think that that's, as entrepreneurs, I think that you hit the nail on the head, that um, that people, they, they get kind of that shiny object syndrome. Do you know what I mean? They chase things left, right, and center versus just, like you said, just being able to focus and do what's different and just stick to it and, and make it work and just push through and, you know, make the pieces click together. So 
Jake, that's awesome. Sorry, my head's buzzing because you're giving me all sorts of ideas. I love these inter- I, I love these podcasts as much <laughs> as the audience because I get injected. I always take notes. I, I again for the listeners, you guys better be taking notes because you know. And again, it's not like we none of us know this stuff, but it's just so good to sit and soak in it and hear it again and the reminders and and to again see an example again someone like yourself that just does it does it so well. So that's huge. That's really huge. Um. So all right. Those are, so do something. Let's repeat those two again. So the first one was do what others aren't doing, and then the third one. Well, sorry, what was the second one? I just got so excited about the first one. The second one is um, uh, don't re- don't reinvent the, the wheel. wheel. Yes. Just, just basically uh, copy what successful people are doing in your field or other fields. Just put your own spin on it. Yeah, and that's so important too because if you are going to fail at something, like you're talking about about switching systems, you want to fail fast. You don't want to wait and just keep beating this dead horse. And maybe I can do it better. Maybe I can do it better. Find out who's doing it the best. Copy what they're doing, like you said, in your own image, and put it out there. And then if it fails, you know that you, you, you know what I mean. Like you gave it your best effort. I mean, you gave it a world class effort at least. So that's that's a great, great, great tip. That's great advice. Um, what was I about to ask? Wow, I'm having a bad day with memory today. No, that's. I think it's a good sign, though, because we're having <laughs> some of good info here. So uh, it's a good thing. Well, no, but again, I mean, it's it's. Teamwork is such a quintessential part of it because there's no way you would be able to juggle all the things that you're doing right now if you weren't able to effectively accomplish things through other people, right? I mean, there's no way you'd be getting recognition on stage. There's no way you would be in San Francisco right now. There's no way you'd be putting your hand into multiple businesses and launching different projects like this. So that's a really powerful skill. Now, I know something that some people are going to say because one of the things that you mentioned, like you built an app and just gave it away for free, right? And I know a lot of people, like, they're going to be afraid to do that. Like, they're going to say, but if I give away, like, if I write an article and I teach people how to do what I do for themselves, isn't that going to take business away from me? I, you know, What do you think about that? Well, again, it's, um, um, it, it, it's, it's the concept of the old days where people feel that if I'm going to give away information, if I'm going to hoard information, if I'm going to uh, give it all away, I'm going to be losing business. In fact, by giving a lot of information, what you do is you overwhelm the public by providing so much value that they perceive you as an expert uh, in their subconscious, where there's no other way anybody can convince them not to hire you because they know you're the expert. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So it's kind of like I put all these articles out there, videos, podcasts, everything, because I really want to help people. I want to give them information so they can read it. I don't even give away free stuff to other lawyers who are my competitors. In fact, there. What I'm going to be doing? I'm doing a new experiment, and I'm sharing it the first time in your podcast because I uh, I'm happy that you invited me, but I also uh, I think it's an opportunity to do this. So, one of the things that are happening right now is we have to work on people's uh, um, subconscious in a good way because we want to give it to them because they can find people can find information today online whether you give it to them or not. Think about it. People can find information online today whether you give it or not. Them or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to list my five top competitors in my legal field on my own website, and I'm going to tell people, you know, if you decide not to hire me, and you ask me who else in your field you would hire if it wasn't for you, I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them those people with their website, their phone numbers, everything on my own website. And this is an interesting experiment because I know they're going to find them anyway. Why not tell them? Mm-hmm. Because maybe somebody's going to say, you know what? If this lawyer is going to give me his competition, what else can he do for me? Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. So this is the extreme we're going to go to because I believe that by giving it all away, 
you're just providing more value for yourself because they're going to come to you anyway. I love that. I think I think you're right, and not only that, but it just it elevates you. It it really does. It elevates you as as world class person, a phenomenal character in your industry, because now you're building a network of friends inside the industry, and that's really powerful. And that can, I mean, because everybody needs help at some point, and that just that's just that's again comes back to being an effective. Of being effective with people and being effective working with others, and that's a, and you know there's, that's something that I've heard of people doing. If they're in a market, they would do it because these people they feel that they've exploited not exploited, but they've expanded as much as they can in the market. And now they're like, what do I do? And one of the options they can do is to compete with themselves. And that's because there'll be people that just don't want to do business with you. And in your case, you're like, hey, you know, I already know that there's people that aren't a good fit with me. Why wouldn't I recommend them to someone else? Because that can only benefit, right? Who knows? They'll speak well of me. Even the person you referred, right? They'll speak well of you. It just it just creates this virtuous cycle of just good, positive, you know, just just abundance and generosity and taking care of everyone else. So um, I think it's brilliant. I think it's going to work out really well. And I think that, like you said, that those people that you refer to, I think they might end up being, you know, useful allies because none of us know what's up ahead, right? So I think it's important that you have allies as many as you can. Um, yeah, that's that's that is. And thank you for announcing that on my podcast. It feels special. <laughs> Excellent. It should be. <laughs> it is. It is. It totally is. So, and now, do you ever feel at any point in time you had something holding you back along your way? Like, I mean, you've talked about some of the breakthroughs and the things that you've implemented, but do you ever feel yeah. that there was anything in particular? Um, you know, I think that, um, uh, you know, sometimes where um, when you try to, um, you know, you, you work on um, on a project, and, and and you feel that you don't get the feedback that you're expecting. And and, and sometimes I I, I I do something and I expect it to be huge, or and I don't I don't I don't get the 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 feedback that I that I that I expect. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of bring, brings me down. And in the beginning, um, I was really taking it bad. I, I was actually kind of being discouraged from doing things. And I learned over the years to basically look at it and say, you know what, I tried, it didn't work, let's move to the next thing. But but for me, the the perception in my head that it's going to work and then it doesn't work, it was actually making me feel really bad for months and slowing me down. Hmm. And so I learned over the years to, to, to stop doing that. But I know a lot of other people are doing it. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of like you build in your head this image of how it's going to be, and, uh, and, it, and it's not. And so, and, and that leads to um, to kind of failure and, and slowdown and bad and bad mood. And, and if you don't feel good about how you feel, then you can't actually do anything uh, mm-hmm. because you, you feel you don't feel that um, you know that, that you can do it. In fact, there's another book that I wanted to mention and I forgot, and but I'm going to mention it now because it fits this this particular uh, uh, moment. There's a book by James Altucher. It's called Choose Yourself. And um, James Altucher, if you haven't heard of him, he's a very interesting guy. He's an author in New York, and he was my first guest on the podcast. Oh wow! And um, and he, the choose yourself movement, is basically talking about if you don't choose yourself, if you don't love yourself, if you don't feel uh, a particular way about yourself, nothing else will work around you. In a nutshell, and he has different things, different examples of his failures and his and other and other things that he talks about in his book. Uh, but one of the things that he mentions in the book is every day, write down 10 ideas. Every day. Even if you're not going to use them. Um, they just, it, it, it's basically the process of training your brain. Kind of like, a, like, you, like you lift weights. Uh-huh. And, and, and both me and you, that, both me and you that we come from the martial arts world. I mean, you, you've been 
a teacher and instructor. I've been a practicing uh, Taekwondo member for about eight years. Awesome. Uh, but you know, what we learn in martial arts is the is the continuous. We do always the same thing, always the same movement. We practice until we make it perfect, right? Uh-huh. Always the same uh, forms, always the same. And think about it. What if you do this with your brain? What if you write down every day ten ideas? Since since I read the book, I do it every every morning. Ten ideas. And and by the way, the 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 coffee shop concept came from this practice. By the way, from doing this, uh-huh. this idea of the coffee shop that I have that I you know. It was one yeah, of your, yeah. it was one of your daily day, ideas? Every day, write down 10 ideas. And you, you, you may not even do any of them, but one of those ideas, one of those 100, is going to become your next uh, venture, your next uh, thing. Hmm. And so, uh, and it's amazing what it does to your head. Uh-huh. It just, it, it's like a muscle, right? Uh-huh. So instead of lifting weights every day, what if you write down 10 ideas in addition uh-huh. to the lifting weight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right? well, that's huge. Because that's where people get stuck because they can't think of this new solution. They, they exactly. lack the creativity. So that's, yeah, it really is. That's, yeah. And, and that's, you know, and that's such a powerful thing because, again, that goes back to the habits. And that's, I remember Jim Rohn. I love Jim Rohn. I quote him all the time. But one of his things is, you know, the point, the benefit of setting a goal right. is not only accomplishing the goal, it's who you have to become to achieve it. And so just even like exactly. you said, writing the goal, the writing the 10 ideas a day, like like you said, you're not even, might not even use them. But the goal by setting oh, yeah. a goal. I don't, use, I don't use any of them, actually. I mean, like I said, I only use maybe one or two over a period of a few months. But the fact that I did it every day, uh-huh. that actually helped me uh, um, uh, get there, right? Yep, yep. And consistency is important, too. I know, talking about martial right. arts, one of the, my favorite quotes about mastery is, do it until it becomes dull, and then do it until it becomes beautiful again. And that's how you achieve mastery in something. I love that. I love that quote. So, not six, no, I love that. And... Um, yeah, just every day, every day, every day. That's the other part that, as well, that I'm a firm believer in that comes from martial arts is that the things that I want to be good at, I, th- I, no days off. Like, I don't really believe in days off. And if you do take a day off, it's, it's, right. it's intentional rest to improve myself with that because you rest is something that you also require. Right. So, but it's not in my head like, Oh, I don't want to do it today. Like that's just not an option. It's no matter how lazy right. I feel or whatever, every day, every day, every day. And like you said, it can make you just help expand your creative thinking. I'm going to start doing that. I am. I'm going to start doing the, yeah. the 10 things. Try it. Let me know how it works. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. Well, and exactly. let's talk about some of the ideas that you've had and some of the things that you've got going on. I mean, what are you excited about now? What are you doing now that's got you really jazzed? I mean, obviously, this tech thing's pretty exciting, the book, the Enchanting Podcast, but why don't you tell me a little bit about what you have what you have happening and that you're most excited about? Um, well, like I said, I um, I told you that um, uh, you know we, we're thinking about creating um, – um, a co-working space for uh, for attorneys that um, are going to be able to share these ideas that we develop right now. What we, 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 we just talked about right now, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, kind of like for startups, but mostly for attorneys, and and take it to the next level by actually coaching them in our system and uh, and seeing the results right there as they work all together, which is it has never been done before, right? So um, it's a project I'm working on right now, and um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a space. It will be a physical location. And then the other thing is I told you about it before is, is that as the new coffee shop we're talking about, which is the um, you know it's the inspirational coffee shop where people are taking their inspiration from offline from online and bringing it to uh, to the offline, um, spreading happiness. That's awesome. So that's our that's our concept with the coffee. And again, that came out from those ten ideas that that I was doing every morning. 
Really, eh? That's so cool. Jacob, you've just been, this has been a very awesome podcast. You've, it's been so content rich. You've given a ton of really valuable information. This is definitely one of the interviews that we have that people want to listen to a couple of times to make sure they get everything they can out of it. And as always, you want to make a list of things that you need to do and things that you can delegate and things you can implement in the next 24 hours because, uh, you know, um, wisdom on its own you know what is it it's not just wisdom you need action and so that's where we want to take the knowledge that we've gained and turn it into actionable steps that you can apply for yourself and in your business jacob if anyone wants to reach out to you and get in touch with you what are the best ways to get in touch so the best way is to email me at jacob at enchantinglawyer.com visit enchantinglawyer.com up our blog and podcast and on twitter at at visa lawyer blog at Visa Lorba is the best ways. And uh, I welcome emails and um, and um, I'm very happy to respond to anybody who listens to the show. That's awesome. Jacob, thank you so much. Again, you've been a wonderful guest and you've been very helpful for me and I appreciate and value our friendship and I know that you've got a lot going on and I appreciate you taking the time today to sit down and talk with me and my listeners. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you. Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, you're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.